Hello, friends. Welcome to the Climbing Fierce podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping devoted Christ followers on the higher journey as they climb towards the plans, purposes, and presence of God. This podcast is built around the idea that life's not just a journey, but rather a purposeful climb to sovereign heights. I'm Hannah Schaefer, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Dr. Claudia Dempsey. We welcome you to journey alongside us as we explore common hangups, setbacks, and growth points on the journey of life, as well as some key strategies and resources so we can collaboratively climb together to reach new heights. This is Climbing Fierce. Hey there, welcome to episode four. On today's show, we're talking about the tea you think, but not the tea you drink. You may be wondering what the heck that means, and I promise we're going to explain in just a moment because we're very excited about today's topic as we get into more of the practical and a little less of maybe the heady information uh, that we've gone through in some previous episodes. But first, we had some requests from our listeners for some info about us. Uh, Who are these two girls and what's their story? So uh, actually, one person wrote in our comment in commenting and said, oh, it's so great that an older woman like Claudia would be willing to come (laughs) alongside a woman like myself. So let's go with age before beauty and let the senior voice of the show share a bit about herself. Wow, Hannah, I actually really liked you until about two seconds ago. (laughs) Um, It's not my words. Right, right, right. Um, Okay, a little bit about me. I'm first and foremost a daughter of the king, but I'm also a mom and a wife. In fact, I am probably married to the world's kindest husband, really. Uh, That is not my gift set, but he is a true servant at heart and adores his family. He's a 30-year police veteran, and we've been married for 22, 22 years now. And we have two amazing kids. Uh, Jesse is 20-year-old who is passionate about the Lord. He is the energetic one of the group, keeps us going. And Sydney, who's 18, um, she's super intuitive, funny, but in a kind of a sarcastic sort of way, <laughs> very artistic. And I just love being a mom, but, well, most of the time, love being a mom. Um, great gift. <laughs> um, and we've got two little Yorkies at home, Penny, who is nine and is truly the world's most perfect dog. Then there's Jake. Who's not? I mean, he's a great little dog, not quite as perfect. We call him our therapy dog, not because he offers us any therapeutic assistance, but because he has so many quirks and fears that he's in perpetual need of a therapeutic intervention. Um, and and really, it's I'm so honored. I get the privilege of doing life with this crazy bunch. Um, and it's probably also really important to note that I love coffee, chocolate, and pizza, but not necessarily in that order. I suspect chocolate would probably be at the top of that list but that's a little about me how about you hannah no 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 before i i talk about me claudia today at lunch told us that she has a daily dose of chocolate and i just i want to know how much the daily dose is but you don't have to tell us you can tell me when we're off air oh no it's um so every morning every single morning i eat the same thing it is a granola bar that has it's got a chocolate layer on the bottom so you uh-huh. start my day off right got the chocolate <laughs> that. and then throughout the day somewhere there will be candy bars some cookies something i really i'm just joking <laughs> i eat like a 12 year old um it's um i'm one day gonna get mature enough to to step back from chocolate a little bit but that day's not come yet that's so funny because i literally imagined you with like a really nice expensive chocolate bar not no, like the chocolate no. in your granola bar in the morning <laughs> no. so i'm glad i asked that's <laughs> hilarious 
Um, okay, a little bit about me. Um, I'm Hannah Schaefer, in case you were wondering who's who. Uh, but I uh, was a military kid. I guess I am a military kid. I'm just grown up now. A military adult. Doesn't seem appropriate, though. I am not in the military. Though my brother is at basic training right now. So if you guys think about him, mm. pray for Jake. Um, not your dog, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mostly grew up in Northern Virginia outside of D.C., um, I have been married for almost six years to Christopher, who I met in college, and um, we've been given the wonderful gift of our little, sweet, hilarious, one-and-a-half-year-old girl named Lucy. I'm sure you guys will hear lots of stories about her. Um, and right now, we're actually pregnant with our second baby, which is a little boy, and I'm low-key a little terrified. Mm. So all you, all you boy moms can give me some encouragement and give me all of your tips and tricks. Um, but we're due in October of this year, uh, and we're just excited and um, along for the ride. But um, I studied uh, in college and for my master's uh, degrees dealing with Christian leadership, and I'm just really passionate about that. I've worked with college students um, for about seven years at this point, and uh, I'm still loving it and still doing that. And um, I come from a family of divorced parents, and um, you know, I've feel like my family story and my own story is one where I've just seen the grace of God bring so much goodness out of a lot of difficulty and hardship and um, not ideal situations. Matt Chandler actually says this um, in a series he did that I watched a long time ago and it's always just stuck with me, but um, he says, where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. And I've just found that to be a statement of truth and of testimony in my own life, um, that where the ideal is lacking, God's grace always abounds. Mm, that's good. Oh, I just appreciate that. So um, I have a random question for you, Claudia. Oh, I told her I was going to do this. <laughs> um, if you had to be a puppy, <laughs> what would be the ideal puppy bed that you would want to sleep on? Oh, that is so oh Okay, no lie. My son just sent me a picture. He was out at, I think it was TJ Maxx. And it was a little pineapple, like a literal pineapple yes. with the, I guess, little SpongeBob uh, kind of take from that. But it, yeah, it would definitely not be the little pineapple bed. Um, something cozy. I'm all <laughs> about cozy comfort. So uh-huh. it would definitely be something cozy, small comfort, that, like the long, soft, kind of like, almost like shaggy fur. Hmm. Yeah, that would be all me. Okay. Okay. I thought you were going to say that you would be the pineapple. No, absolutely not. I He saw, he really wanted to get it. I'm like, I don't know whose house that's going in, but it won't be mine. It can go in your room. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's probably enough for now. I promise we'll share more about our lives as we go through the podcast. But uh, we want to get to today's topic, which is the tea you think, not the tea that you drink. So Claudia, help our listeners out there understand what in the world we're talking about. Yeah, on the surface, this may definitely sound a bit bizarre, but the term tea here is actually referring to a life cycle response that has its roots in cognitive behavioral therapy. So this term tea, with T-E-A, this is an acronym where the T stands for thoughts, E for emotion, and A for action. And the reason why this T-E-A, the T cycle, is so important is because our life response patterns will generally follow the order that's presented in this acronym. So 
Our thoughts are going to fuel our emotions and our emotions are often going to dictate our actions, which they will cycle back and then create this continual loop. And, and it's really significant because so many of us, what we do is we'll look at an action in our life or the, the lives of others, something that needs to be changed. And we'll think, boy, we should just probably really go address that. Let's fix that. But what the T-cycle reveals is that our actions are never independent. They don't stand alone. They're not these vacuumed choices we make. Um, They really stem from the emotion and the thought that precede and fuel them. And so we act in certain ways and we do certain things because of the thoughts and emotions that are tied to those actions. But again, where we get all messed up is that we try to make behavior changes in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. We don't like something, we want to change something, and we just try to almost flip a switch as though I can just jump in and fix a behavior. But if the $400 billion weight loss industry has taught us anything, we can't just spot reduce a behavior. Mm -hmm. We can't just stop in because behavior doesn't happen in isolation. And imagine, you know, if you could look behind behavior, you'd see this complex web of wired and interwoven thought and emotion that are tied to that behavior. So if we want to get serious about making some constructive changes in the way we do life, the way we process challenges, the way we grow in our faith, we have really got to understand this T-cycle. So if we really want to change some patterns of behavior, we have to go back to the thought process and kind of start our work there. So I am assuming thinking about our content from last episode, that you're going to tell us that we're going to have our work cut out for us. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) This is, and well, I mean, if you look, a lot of people aren't doing this because one, there's not the awareness, but two, because this, this is going to require some work. This Mm -hmm. is going to take some, some effort, intentionality. We're going to have to do this and work hard at it. Uh, But this is true for all of us. And so as we unpack this, I I first want to normalize this idea that that person who's been harboring some some shame or frustration or disappointment because there's something in their life that it's just not pretty. They're, they're not doing something well. Mm-hmm. They're messing up. Something's going wrong. And they look and they think, man, I'm, I'm really blowing it. Something is Something in me is bad for this to be happening. And the fact is, that's all of us. We could all point to aspects where some part of our either our thought, our, our emotion, or specifically our behavior, we just don't have victory there yet. And so I just want to, from the start, say, just come on board, get in the boat with, with us, with Hannah and I, as we say, we are right there, all very mindful. This is a journey we're all taking, um, and that this is very normal. And so um, something to think about is that the intentionality is what's going to matter, that we're aware of this. Um, the fact is, Hannah, this this just blows my mind, 77% of Americans who are surveyed will say they typically will rely on dysfunctional coping mechanisms and behaviors to cope with dysfunctional thoughts. So you mm-hmm. look at the majority of Americans right now, if you said, how are you doing coping with things that are not working or feel, they're like, I'm not coping well at all. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually dysfunctionally trying to handle this. So it, it, it's the majority of us mm-hmm. needing to be mindful about this. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think we can assume that everybody that looks like they have it all together and they look really nice, that that is the truth. I have seen in my college students that so much of this Mm. is formed as we're children growing up. Um, I'm definitely not their counselor, (laughs) but as some of them are maybe in counseling or they're just, you know, processing some things with me, you know, I'm seeing that 
and as I've reflected in my own life, I really should say too, that we really grasp for things that are just going to help us cope with Mm -hmm. the brokenness of the world. And we learn an avenue or two that seems to work. And for most of us, we just learn how to pretty things up enough to put up a good front because that's what people see. It's like cleaning up um, your living room where everybody's going to sit, but then you go up to your bedroom and you're like, I'm buried in my own clothing or, um, which my mother-in-law, when I first got married, told me, whatever you do, keep your bedroom clean and make that your safe haven. And I fail at it often, but I, I do try because she's right. Like that's where your mental load a lot of times just falls and blubbers over into your, into your home. We, we try to put on this. I mean, if you were to open up my little Tupperware cabinet right now, Mm -hmm. I'd be mortified, <laughs> but you walk in, my kitchen's going to look nice, right. but you pull back and open up the mm. cabinets and you're going to see sometimes it's not always pretty. Yes, absolutely. We're constantly under construction for mm. sure, including our Tupperware cabinets. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why we want to spend some time unpacking this. Now coming you know, down the road, we are going to look at some of the neuroscience as we've said before, because that's just fascinating. But for today, let's talk through some helpful strategies on what do we do? How do we start to adjust this T-cycle? So uh, first, a quick disclaimer. This, please, for anybody in a place where this like really heavy season, this is not a replacement for therapy. If there's some really deep hurts, um, scars, or serious areas of emotional need, uh, helpful therapy is so valuable. So please consult someone professionally if the weight of what we're going to be talking about, it just feels like it's beyond the scope of what you can do independently. But for those who like, I want to know more. I feel like I can jump in. Just show me how. Give me some language for this. A great place to start is by observing and recording some of your thought patterns. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. We've got to start to really take account of what's going on. Somebody actually, I heard them use the word interrogate. We're going to start to get in and really intentionally look. And so I'd say take a few days to watch and listen to your thoughts. Journaling is a great way to capture some of that. Um, And you want to look specifically for patterns. So a couple that really stand out things that are self-deprecating, this, and one of the most popular, if you look up negative self-talk, it's this idea of I'm not good enough. I have failed too many times. I don't deserve a second chance. I've blown it. I'm not as valuable as others. So self-deprecating thoughts are huge where you're just kind of putting yourself down. Second is prideful. And this is where we kind of do the opposite, but it's, it's elevating ourselves. We think that we're more valuable, we're better, we want others to see us. Um, you know, you'll hear this, this talk inside of your head of, I don't know why they didn't promote me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more qualified. I'm the better candidate. Um, look at Joe over there struggling with this. I'm not struggling with that. So pride will sometimes come up. We've got to see that, identify that. Another huge one, huge in our culture today is fear. So fear is always going to be future facing. It's going to look forward and this panic sense of potential hurt, um, hurt of not having enough, hurt of actual physical hurt, or just not being included, not making the team, not the, the fear of somehow something hurting me physically, emotionally, socially. Um, and you, you see people stay in relationships where they don't need to be in that relationship any longer. Mm. But do you know how scary it is to step out of that and be mm. alone? Yeah. So the fear, the fearful thoughts. So just two more I'll mention longings oh my goodness these these longings for something and that's that sense of i need this x whatever it is fill in the blank to make me feel better and we you can even use the term lust now lust we we've given that a lot towards sexual um, connotations but really anything this deep hunger and longing for something with the idea of 
surely that's going to make me feel better. And then self-pity. Self-pity is another one that really can be very damaging. So to even start, I would just say those five, if you can start tracking and observing the presence of those and then the degree to which you're thinking through this. And then the next step after that, so that's the thought. You want to identify the T in that T cycle. Then the emotion, if you can actually start to see what happens when I when I have those thoughts? What what rises up in me? What feelings surface? And we're going to actually provide some on our website, some resources to help you out, some charts and information to help you walk through this. But the fact is, we manifest externally what we can't process internally. And when our souls are aching, we act irrationally and we try to mm-hmm. evade or we try to soothe the ache. Mm-hmm. And so this may be the hardest step because we've got to sit there with those those. I heard a professor once say, this can sound very scholarly, those yucky feelings. We got to sit with <laughs> yucky feelings. Mm-hmm. We got to get honest and we got to deal with all that emotion and see mm-hmm. what's tied to those thoughts. So mm-hmm. I would just say, to kind of summarize this up, look at look for those patterns. Spend a couple days writing down any repeating themes of thought that you see, you hear. And then, and then spend some time actually thinking through the emotion tied to those. And for those who have even daily devotional practices, Tying us in with devotions and being very prayerful about this is a great way to start. Mm. That's so good. So what I'm hearing you say is our thoughts matter and that thoughts lead to actions, emotions and then actions, Mm -hmm. but they lead to actions, which leads to the material of what our lives are ultimately made out of. I mean, our thoughts, when you put it like that, are so consequential. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Claudia, do you have um, personal experience with this? Do you tend towards one? Do you tend towards a few of them? Is is it a thing to tend towards a few of them? What's been your experience? Um, I do think you're going to see people will often tend toward some more strongly than others. I know for me that first one, self-deprecating. I, I would... You know, my upbringing was such, again, we're going to talk to, you know, we are where we are because of the factors that have led us to this point in time and place mm-hmm. in our lives. So I, I had, you know, my experience growing up, I had an absent dad who was alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I had um, some challenges in life. And so I, I often didn't feel that, that fatherly love, didn't feel inclusion in certain areas. And I would internalize that and kind of like, wow, I guess you just you weren't lovable enough mm. or you. And so my internalization of that was that I, I was somehow, something was missing in what I was bringing to the table. Something was not enough. So I, I had to get real with that and I had to unpack that. And truly, until you stop to think and identify this, we this, this is something that's just beyond our, our everyday consciousness. We don't mm. even think, you know, it's funny, we're talking about thoughts, but we don't even think about what we're thinking. It's just this loop of thought that's driving what then becomes some of our more intentional thoughts. But mm-hmm. there are these background thoughts that are driving and shaping so much. And mm-hmm. so um, it's really, it's critical that we're, we're looking for these patterns and being mindful. And then after that, once we've done some of this identifying, we really have to then start to step in and disrupt this cycle. Mm-hmm. So it's that first step is identifying but then there's this disrupting. And here's the good news. We can do this at any point. We can do it with the emotion. We can do it at the action stage. We can do it at the thought. We're gonna start with, cause thought is the root of a lot of this. But even if you see that bizarre emotion, like why am I so angry? Um, you know, my spouse just forgot to pick up the loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. Why am I literally ready to tear down the house? Mm-hmm. Okay, something's going on. My emotion is out of whack. 
Um, and we'll look at these things and can kind of step in. And, you know, sometimes it's just that you're really tired and you can unpack that. But then sometimes there's really, there's there's truth to the emotion there that we've got to get in and unpack and, and absorb. And so here's here's a real helpful tip. I, I heard this from uh, Mel Robbins. Uh, she's got podcasts out there. I don't know a lot about her work. Can't advocate for her, but I did come across something she said when I was looking up some some anxiety content for a friend who was asking for some tips. I saw that Mel had something on this and she said a really helpful strategy is the five to one countdown. So when you are, you see this thought pattern and you see yourself in the middle of something and you want to disrupt it, a really helpful way is the kind of count out loud if you can, or even under your breath, if you need to five, four, three, two, one. What it does is it takes your thought and it actually has to focus your, your attention onto the effort of counting backwards and it takes your mind away from this looping pattern of thought. And you can kind of like, oh, it stops the noise for a second. Hmm. And you can kind of step in and then you can engage that. And this is how we can create these doorways when, I, when I'm sensing something. Hold on. I stop everything. I press pause. And then I can step in. And we can see a lot of times as we've talked through some of these prior episodes, understanding this is very normal for our flesh to want to do and give some of this messaging to help us navigate this crazy thing called life. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bizarre thing that it's happening, but it's really critical that we understand that it is happening. Mm. I feel like I just need to sit with that. It's so good. <laughs> right? It's until you, it, it, as we're talking, I suspect to me, this sounds like, oh, of course. Uh-huh. And yet it's until you realize that, it just is outside of your, your thinking and your understanding. Yeah. I'm thinking of scenarios that Christopher and I have found ourselves in where it's there is almost a narrative that my brain has learned to, to fill in the gaps. So Christopher says mm. one thing, and my oh, brain automatically yes. makes like yes. four assumptions about what he's really mm-hmm. saying when he says, hey, why didn't you pick up the milk or, you know, whatever the thing is. And I'm like, oh, you're saying that I haven't done enough. Mm-hmm. That And it's like I just, I yeah. fill in and maybe I fall into the self-pity or I fall into, and maybe that leads even to like, okay, then I should just go eat a bucket of ice cream because I'm the worst <laughs> mom that's ever existed. I forgot the milk and Lucy won't have it for bedtime, you know? Right, right. And you just fill in all these gaps. I can think of a lot of scenarios as you were just mm. speaking to some of that. I'm sure that you at home or in the car or wherever you are, are thinking of some yourself. Um, But I think what you just explained, have you ever done anything with your kids with this? Yeah, great question. So, you know, (laughs) I mean, so much starts at home, right? And my kids have been so instrumental in my understanding of the journey of life. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, honestly... Something I've taught them as it relates to this process is to picture the cutest, most precious picture of themselves when they were six to 10 years old. Um, Old enough that there's some sense of self-awareness, but young enough to still be cute and innocent. But this this idea of understanding at that age in life, um, seeing them to, to realize that negative thought processes are already starting and that there's this innocent inner child that we all have who sometimes gets stuck or hurt along the way in life. And so I've challenged my own kids. I said, imagine that version of yourself and just imagine them stuck. This cute little part of you is stuck. You see them, they're innocent and their flesh nature um, is, you're trying to, your flesh right now in that moment, I'm telling my kids, is trying to create some coping mechanism. But what that little stuck six to 10 year old needs is for you to step in 
in a parenting coaching manner and offer some healthier responses. It's almost this idea of self-parenting. And as we mm. enter into adulthood, we've got to step back and actually do self-parenting to some of those areas where we look back and yeah, like somewhere along the way, even as a kid or something happened, I got stuck. Mm. I've got to go bring that stuck part of me into a mature state. And it helps when you actually give this imagery to it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the, I'll, I'll, I'll think to some things where I saw myself as a young child hurt. And I know that hurt part of me is probably not to the developmental stage as other parts of me. And I've got to go back and help her because she gets stuck along the way. And she falls into some coping mechanisms or dysfunctional thinking. But when I can, when I see that, that's very endearing. Mm -hmm. I'm not now mad at myself. Like, Claudia, what the heck are you doing? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, man, yeah. Mm -hmm. Six-year-old Claudia is stuck in the mud. Mm -hmm. How can I know how to go help her? And it changes it changes the paradigm in a way that I think gives us some tools to help ourselves grow through this. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, I think what you're allowing there is space to see yourself in a more gracious way mm. than we ever Absolutely. tend towards yeah. by ourselves. Um, I've seen that specifically, kind of that visual, that same visualization with shame in my life, mm. specifically correlated to like spending time with the Lord. Like early in my walk with the Lord, I had a really hard time if I didn't spend time with the Lord in a week or in two weeks or what, you know, however amount of time I would then like sheepily come back to the Lord and say, like, do you still accept me? You know, that was my heart posture. And, um, I, I don't even know who I started doing this exercise with, but, um, when I started to imagine now this would be Lucy in my life, but you know, imagine one of my nieces or nephews or my little Lucy coming down the stairs in the morning and they're in their little footy pajamas. And, you know, if they didn't, if I didn't see them for two weeks, I, w- I wouldn't be resistant towards them or frustrated right. or I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see you. And, yeah. you know, they're sweet and adorable. And there's just this emotion there that you can't really put into words mm. and this overjoyed um, excitement and enthusiasm that when I imagine how God is our perfect parent, that makes me really like step into that space and say, okay, like God is excited to speak with me and to hear from me and for me to spend time Mm. with him. No matter how much time has passed, he's, he's still that perfect loving parent who feels even more so than I feel with Lucy. Um, if I didn't see her for two weeks, I would not be able to put her down for like an hour. Right. Right. Um, so it, it's different than what the example you gave for your kids, but but similar in the fact of it's that visualization that I think is really, really powerful. Well, and as you're talking, I'm just thinking, you know, we'd never talk to this little cute footy pajama child mm-hmm. and, and berate them for spilling the milk. Yeah. We'd be kind and we, you know, and maybe like, hey, you've got to do a little better, buddy. I'm mm-hmm. so glad you keep dropping this and... But we'd never attack, and yet mm-hmm. we so often will attack ourselves when mm-hmm. this this less mature part of ourselves that's still kind of evolving and growing and maturing spills the milk, mm-hmm. and we attack. And and honestly, if you do the research, it's it's devastating what that does. That recoils mm-hmm. us further and deeper into shame, which mm-hmm. then leads to more problematic responses. So. Mm-hmm. The, your, the grace you're talking about is mm-hmm. one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves mm-hmm. in the growth process. And it opens the door and the invitation to come further. And so there's this idea, we can't climb higher if we're stuck in this mire of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So we've got to learn how to help ourselves um, take these thoughts captive, how to bring them into submission, 
and then begin to replace some of those with positive thoughts, with truths, of course, with the truths of scripture. Uh, there's even this therapeutic uh, strategy that's called replacement therapy, which suggests we can't just stop an unwanted thought or behavior. We have to replace it. And you'll mm. see that a lot. If you just took an addict and removed an addictive pattern, not just a substance, but a pattern, uh, it would create this vacuum of such unrest and tension that that's then filled with more destructive behavior. We've got to replace that. And it's the same with our thinking. So once we identify any negative or condemning thought, we can then replace it. And we've and now here's the catch. We can't just make up things we want to be true. We can't look outside, see a rainy day. Wow, it just looks so bright and cheery out there. Like that, <laughs> our mind is going to know that's just a bunch of baloney. This, right. That's not going anywhere. So we can honestly reframe the narrative with hope and a truth that is real or could be potentially real. Here's an amazing example that happened not long ago. So I'm at an airport. You know, when you pull up and you, you're deboarding, is that the word deboarding? Mm-hmm. The plane, and you go through this tin can of a hallway, yeah. you know, to the airport. So we're all in line. It's the slow going process. And um, I had a backpack and I had a little um, carry on that I was pulling. My backpack was on my shoulder, actually, and it just slid off my shoulder just a little bit. I, I stopped for a half of a second to just lift my shoulder, flip it back up. And this woman behind me took that as her chance. Um, kind of pushes me out of the way and like rushes forward to get, now the line's not going anywhere. I don't know where she's going, but she's pushing forward. Well, in my flesh, this thing rose up. I'm like, how rude Mm. could you really be that obnoxious? Mm -hmm. And as that thought is surfacing, I knew, I knew some of this and I immediately said, what if she's going to the airport? I mean, what if she's going to the hospital to say goodbye to a loved one? What if she's running home because the most tragic thing just happened? And that flipping the narrative, I didn't know. I wasn't making stuff up, but that could have been a reality. I don't know why she was being obnoxious that day. Suddenly, what was this self-protective, angry bitterness in me that was starting to surface instantly went down. I'm like, man, I hope she, I hope whatever she needs, that she gets what she needs today. Hmm. And it changed everything. And so sometimes learning, again, our minds and our thoughts, knowing we're going we're gonna to lean toward this self-protective, like how dare her? But as we change that script a little bit, we can really, we can reframe some of our thinking um, here. And so we've got to actively speak to our thoughts. And here's here's another thing. We, we sometimes have to do so with energy. So the physical response of actually increasing some momentum, uh, Tony Robbins is huge on this. If you've ever listened to any of his stuff, that actually physiologically triggers a hormonal response that's going to promote a change in chemistry. So for that person who's like, I'm just stuck in... And, and just thinking, thinking today, I'm just really stuck here. Believe it or not, some movement, some energy, some movement, turning up the music, kind of just moving your, just moving your body a little bit, whether it's just walking in the space you're in, um, that actually will begin to trigger some things and, and changing that. We got to change that, that script a little, change that. So a couple of examples that come to mind, just, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And we can say something like, God has given me everything I need, I need today to successfully navigate this situation. Mm. Or I have no purpose. I don't even know why I'm here. Well, let's reframe that. John 15, 16 says, God has chosen me and appointed me to bear fruit. So we're not saying false things or outlandish things. We're saying things that have some hope mm-hmm. and some direction. Mm-hmm. And so just to be strategic, to kind of capitalize on some of those things. Yeah. I think about your airport example and you're not only being, because you changed your thought process, it changed your emotion, which then maybe fueled your action or non-action to retaliate against her. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But, you know, when I I think about that, you were not only being gracious to her in that, 
but it actually brought freedom to you mm, to not be weighed down point. by your emotion and maybe even action. Cause I know for me, sometimes I can like meditate on mm. that negativity. Like yeah. it, it has momentum that carries into the rest of my day. If I don't, it, it is almost like changing the narrative a little bit. Um, and again, we come back to our thoughts are so powerful. Yeah, um, for sure. And it's such a small, small paradigm shift, but has an incredibly powerful uh, aftermath. And um, I think about a uh, curriculum that I, well, I went through the female version, but I know um, in the men's version, it's a like sexual integrity and purity um, workbook, but um, it's called Proven Men. Um, that this specifically talks about. I don't think it talks about in the women's. But in Proven Men, this is just another thing to tack on. It's it's reiterating what you're saying. But um, when you are tempted to um, act out in a sexually explicit way or to watch pornography or, you know, whatever the case is for you, um, you ruin the moment. So you change your thought pattern. You say, that's somebody's... I'm going to talk like I'm a female because it's weird if I talk like a man. Um, You know, that's somebody's dad, brother, husband. You do something to ruin that moment of temptation. Then you repent. So you like confess, Lord, this is wrong. You then maybe even confess what is true. And then you're going to replace. And so it's the three R's, which I feel like are easy to remember. Uh, ruin, repent, and replace. And exact, it's exactly what you're talking about, but something that I've seen specifically for that that temptation of something um, of sexual nature that I think can translate to, yeah. to other areas for sure. But ruin, repent, replace. Um, is it true that we get more familiar with this cycle in our life? Oh, absolutely. Because initially, so if... If you've never done this before, uh-huh. and this is brand new, this yeah. is going to sound foreign. And as you start to do it, it almost would sound probably something akin to like learning a new language. Like, what? My mouth doesn't even do what you're saying it needs to do to pronounce these correctly. So it's going to feel very foreign. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not gonna. It's not gonna seem natural. But the more we do it, it actually it becomes more streamlined, and we can actually begin to see some pattern of this. And, and what actually is really, really cool is once you've done this for a while and, and you are able to mature in some of these areas, you're able to address some of the thoughts and, and heal some of that, the, the emotional areas of hurt there. And what actually begins to happen is then this becomes an alarm system for our lives. So if I'm going through my day-to-day activities and I now find myself, I need right now to eat three candy bars and a bag of Doritos. I don't know what's going on, but that's all mm-hmm. that's on my mind uh-huh. is go ahead, Claudia, you will not make it through another two minutes if you don't eat all these candy bars, all these mm-hmm. Doritos. Um, I now immediately know, I'm like, oh, that's my little indicator. I'm feeling stressed out over something or I'm feeling mm-hmm. hurt or some, something discouraged. So I now, can they become alarms and, and signals where you're like, wow, that is so out there and unhealthy that, okay, let me backtrack. Rather than... The self-care part of us, which is which is a good thing in many ways, like, oh, you really do. You should probably, maybe not three. Go ahead and have four. Like, yeah, this is really hard. And so the self-care part of us will push us toward those things. Whereas when I'm like, wow, that's so unhealthy. Let me step back. A whole nother better form of self-care is to say, what's going on? What do you really need? Because mm-hmm. Claudia, those three candy bars aren't going to, they're just going to make you feel worse when this is over. Mm-hmm. What do you really need right now? And so we, as we start to see that so many of our coping mechanisms 
can just actually perpetuate cycles of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And so we want to recognize any unwanted or counterproductive actions that lead to um, these these or perpetuate some of what's going on and we want to unpack what's what's tied to this what what's kind of sad or sick or broken right now in me uh, that's leading to some of this and we want to disrupt that cycle because i i can trust that this dysfunctional behavior in me will never result from right thinking or healthy emotions so when we see dysfunctional stuff it's never coming from like oh that's a really great place in me right now. Mm-hmm. No, I can say, wow, something actually probably needs some help and attention right now. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I have one question for you. No. Um, do you ever see that the T cycle can sometimes be reversed? Meaning that actions yeah. can lead to different emotions that can lead to a change in thought. And the only reason I ask is I'm thinking through you know, different things things in my own life and specifically a good, I think a good example of where maybe I, I could see it reversed and it's still being a good way of categorizing things is like with, with exercise. If I, even if I don't want to, if I go for a walk or if I do even 15 minutes of some type of physical exercise, sometimes it changes my emotion that I'm feeling, which then can impact my thought process. So I, I was just trying to think through it in a reverse no, that's way. A great. And and there you will see back and forth with mm-hmm. this, especially if we take the physiological piece out. Mm-hmm that really does play a significant role in what we're typically talking about these cognitive processes mm-hmm. leading to then these emotional elements and but um yeah absolutely you you'll see some back and forth and that's why jumping in at any point of whatever's coming to the surface for you in that moment take that don't wait and and you know okay well i'm going to wait till that negative thought no if you're already at the action or the the emotion jump in there but know that you will see the back and forth that's mm-hmm. a great point yeah Oh, it's so good. So practical. And it's easy to remember. T-E-A. It's just the T. The T cycle. Not the T that you are drinking, but the T that you are thinking. And I do want to actually give a shout out to Trish Blackwell. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the one who put me onto this. She's mm-hmm. got some great resources for anybody interested. But yeah, it's really helpful and easy to remember. Yes. So just to recap today, thoughts fuel our emotions, which fuel our actions. And we cannot just target our actions and even sometimes our emotions. Um, It's so crucial for us to talk about, um, as we're talking about climbing fierce, because we can't expect to move forward with purpose uh, and to even our full potential if we are constantly self-sabotaging ourselves. Mm. It's just a really unrealistic expectation to have. So our invitation for you as we climb higher is to take some time and really consider what is driving your thoughts your emotions, and your actions. Are they in alignment with truth or are they areas of dysfunction where you're finding yourself thinking and feeling and doing things you don't actually really like? If so, take some time to explore your T-cycle and this may dramatically enhance your ability to climb to the next levels of faith and impact. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. Be sure to check out today's show notes for more resources, links, and helpful tools on today's topic. You can find these resources and more on our website at www.growthpointperspective.com. If this podcast has been at all impactful for you or someone you know, let us know, leave us a review, or send it to a friend who might need to hear about today's topics. And if you have any questions or an episode idea for us, or you want to get in contact with our team, email hello at growthpointperspective.com. Until next time, friends, go climb fierce.